Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're enjoying your week. If you're living in Victoria or certain parts of it, welcome back to full-on ISO life. Certainly, that's what Kane and I... Uh, find ourselves doing and it's great to have you came back on the episode man how are you buddy i'm well thank you mj massive week of fantasy as always there's always something new happening in this season whether it's on field off field and um everyone's just trying to get by and work it out as we go it's true you talk about last weekend and uh, the fantasy footy well it was a difficult year for a week for a lot of people you might have been a matt rowell owner in fact pretty much every coach's panel listener owned matt rowell Bailey Smith owners copping themselves a one uh, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Then you throw in um, some additional pause, underperforming scores, a couple of tags. And all of a sudden, um, guys just had a really rough week. And I think it all got capped off with the early injury to a Matt Rowell. It means for us, Kane, he does need to get move on. The Gold Coast Suns have decided they're going to go in for that surgery. And look, let's be honest, fair enough too, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. When you look at the type of player he is, we know he played four full games, already had, you know, 30 coaches' votes from round two to four. Like, we're talking about a level that had him in Brownlow contention. And I think for the Suns, you know, they've got, they know they've got an absolute elite player on their hands. There's no point risking his future, especially in a compromised season where so many things are going every direction and obviously the premiership's just as important as ever but when you look at the longevity of what the Suns have ahead of them and what Matt Rowe does very smart decision just to get it taken care of get him back to 100% and yeah no point taking a risk with a guy of that quality absolutely not it does mean for all of us as fantasy coaches he is an absolute must trade out this week you've got so much cash that he has made for you yes he could have made more um, but there is so much he's made in in AFL Dream Team. He's netted you nearly $300,000. What an impressive effort there. Uh, just over 250000 in AFL Fantasy and uh, just a touch over 260000 in Supercoach. He still has an attainable break even um, in, in AFL Fantasy. In fact, all formats. But again, we're talking about a guy that's missing the next 12 weeks. He is a trade What are we doing here, Kane? Are we maximizing the money that he's made and and looking for a premium to bring into our line or are we double downing and going back to a cash cow and, and trying to increase the value and cash generation? Well, MJ, firstly, you have to think that if you said at the start of the season, you could be sidewaysing or even getting some cash downgrading Matt Rao to another elite proven player, you'd mm. be over the moon. Obviously all of us, the way he was going, thought he'd be in our sides for the rest of the season. And that yeah. does hurt because there's a lot of coaches that have had a lot of injuries. There's a lot of coaches that, have sideways players, obviously, with, especially in Supercoach, where the mm. points have gone a lot of different directions than we may have expected. So I think that's what's... Re- obviously, a lot of coaches, like the majority of the competition, especially the ones that play this format as closely as we do, have yeah. Matt Rowe. So everyone's yeah. in the same boat. But I think in terms of building our sides, that's where it really hurts because now yeah. we're having to use a trade to bring another premium in. I think the important thing, MJ, this week is, as always, what are you doing with your other trade? Yeah. Because if you've got cash in the bank this week, there's players like a Brandon Stasevich. I know people think he has some money to make still, and I think he does too. Yeah, there's a little bit more. But the point of, but the point of this game is to turn rookies into premium players 
and get points on field. Yeah. So if you've got enough cash in the bank to turn, let's just say, a Starcevich and a Rao into two premium guys that you're very happy to have in your team for the rest of the year. Again, even mentioned a Lockie Whitfield, mm. let's just say. You're getting some cash from Matthew Rao in Supercoach. Yeah. If you've got a 100, 110, 120K in the bank already, you throw that 30K and you could turn a Starcevich into a Jordan Ridley. Yeah. Now, a all of a sudden, try. you're turning in, again, we know how good Matt Rao was, but at the start of the season, two rookie players into two premium options. So if you've got cash in the bank, I think that's where that gets really attractive. Yeah. Otherwise, again, you've probably got a lot of options because you drop a rookie down 100K and put that on Matt Rao, even if you had nothing in the bank, you've got a lot of choices. And again, you can go, you can almost get to a Jake Lloyd and, you know, lock away that top premium in the back line. You know, Whitfield's a bargain. There's heaps of midfielders that are, you know, great value. So I think... As we said last week, MJ, it's a great time to look at your rookies, especially if we think, you know, a Marlon Pickett's going to come back into the team. Yeah. Maybe a Benel gets recalled. Look where you're getting poor scores from the rookies. Because right. last week, for instance, the Ford rookies were sensational. Yeah. Sam Sturt, Max King, Curtis Taylor. In Supercoach, they were all 70-plus. And Curtis Taylor dropped a ton. Yeah. Conversely, in the midfield, again, I know he's a Ford as well, but, you know, Borderick, 28. Tyler Brown, 29. Starcevich, 38. So I think it's a good opportunity to realign your side again, maximize those rookies, especially cover as well, because we we just don't know what's happening with teams. Last week, we lost Brander. We lost Noble. We were hoping for a a Bunnell recall. We were hoping for a picket. So I think use that opportunity to just probably make your decision based on that other player that you can bring onto the field. Again, I don't think there's any point if Pickett comes back into the team that you could have him on the bench and be playing, you know, a Buderick yeah. or a Brandt. Like, you've really got to maximise that. So, I think it's a great week for teams to take advantage of that because Rao's just at a sweet spot where you have just a plethora of options. You've got so many options. You talk about, you know, guys that have got, you know, barely any money. Lockie Whitfield in Supercoach, it's pocketing him nearly that 30K. Uh, for less than 10K, you can turn it into Elliot Yohan. He really turned it around last weekend. I know he had a heap of clangers in the early part of the season. But in Supercoach, if you are looking for a dirt cheap option that you know is capable of going 105 for the rest of the year, like, I've got no hesitation recommending Yo. And yes, Shuey's out for a couple of weeks. But let's be honest, with, with Kelly and Gaff in that side, Kelly's only like 12K more, by the way, in Supercoach than Rao. There is no way you tag Elliot Yo over those two elite players. Menegol is showing he's in some nice form across all of the formats. Um, even Cornelio, while it's a little bit risky, these are just pure midfielders in like for like. While it's got a risky component, and again, with Tim Taranto sounding like he's coming back either this week or next into that GWS side, that reward, given the price point you're paying for him, what he can do is huge. And then if you want to flip him into some other lines, Bailey Smith in two weeks' time, if you don't own him, he's that perfect guy to forecast to go and get. You mentioned Jordan Ridley. I think more super coach than the other formats, I'd be really jumping out of my skin to go and get him. 
Um, but again, it's making you money in that trade. Toby Green and Brandon Parfit, both are, are pretty much comparable sideways trades. Even a Harris Andrews in Supercoach in the back line. These are just some of the names. I've done an article that you can check out at coachespanel.tv for guys I think that, you know, for a pretty comparable price, you can move route to. If you've got a bit of cash, who you could be targeting across all the formats. But I think the beauty of what he's done now is is he's also opened up some unique opportunities in our teams too, Kane, where we need to start looking at some differentials in our side. Yes, getting guys that are by low price, but also getting guys that are going to set our team apart. Yeah, I think that's the interesting thing. Yo, Yo in particular is one that you've got two seasons in Supercoach of back-to-back 107. And I think the reason that Yo comes into it this year more than ever, MJ, is that of the top midfielders, if you're looking at just average, clearly Fife and Neil are scoring incredible. And mm. year on year, they seem to be guys that are always in that conversation for the top eight. I think the reason Yo's starting to become interesting is that of the other guys in that top 10 currently, we don't have supreme con. They'll continue this run of form. You know, I love what Jack Steele's doing. You know, mm. Travis Boak, last, this year and one previous, he's just gone to a whole nother level. Yeah. But it's the likes of, you know, McRae, Kelly, the guys that we've banked on year on year, Dangerfield, yeah. they haven't really set the world on fire. And especially in Supercoach, where you factor in this shorter game and points have been distributed in different fashions. Mm. I think when you look at an Elliot Yo, obviously, as you mentioned, the price is sensational. It's barely, you know, it's not even 10K to go route a Yo. Yeah. The other thing you've got that's tempting people, I believe, is that you're walking straight into a matchup with the Crows. Yeah. So I know people are talking about them going back to WA after this, which is obviously huge. Again, there's not much of a differential in terms of Yo at Optus Stadium, but obviously it has to be an advantage compared to the competition to be playing in your home state, especially for an extended period of time. And when you're walking into a matchup like the Crows, MJ, at the moment, the way they're traveling and the way their side is actually structured, I was looking at just the 22s that the Crows have put out. In the last three weeks, half of the 22 are less than 50 game players. Yeah, and we're talking about a West Coast team. You know, they've obviously lost their captain, Luke Shuey, but that injury room with Nick Natanui, yeah. you know, we know Tim Kelly, we know Gaff, we know Yo, Sheed. They've got a great side. It's not bad, yeah. And it's no surprise last week when Yo got going, the midfield obviously won the game with no Sydney Ruckman and he scored great. At the round one game against Melbourne, he gave away seven free kicks for that yeah. score. Of 57. If you've ever watched Elliot Yo play, you know that if that if that tackling decision is adjudicated slightly different, yeah. some of those free kicks against him become free kicks for and tackles. Yeah. Um, and you've just got to, I think, back a guy that, you know, 107 in the past, we probably wouldn't have wanted in our final eight because we see guys pushing up towards the 120. Yeah. But in this short season, when there's only you know, 12 rounds remaining after this, yeah. and you're factoring in the value and knowing that. I might be better off skimping, you know, 100K on a yo to a steal per se. Yeah. Because in a couple of weeks, that 80K, if I keep going for that slightly cheaper option and they can get close enough, mm. all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, I've got enough cash to do a whole nother upgrade. And I think that's what people are worried about, especially like you mentioned, the value. Whitfield, 440. Bailey Smith down at 400K. Like you're talking about these guys you might just have to pick them in the midfield because they're such good value. Yeah. And especially if the rookies keep hovering around this 30 to 50 range. Again, I think people are just inclined. Let me just get good points on field. I'm not going to have to bother chasing like in the past. I need 
the 120 guys. As I said, in this shortened season, and the variance is so high, we saw Marcus Bontempelli the week before he was 160 and he had a yeah. massive impact on the game. The Bulldogs won on the weekend and were great, but it wasn't him driving that result. No. And all of a sudden, the score's in the 50s. So that's where Lockie Neal's benefiting so much is that when the game's on the line, especially in the first quarter and the second quarter, he's going absolute great guns and he's setting yeah. it up for his team. And we haven't really seen that. Um, obviously, they lost round one, but... That was a Hawthorne side that's very happy to give you the ball. So I'm very yeah. curious to see, you know, part of this is predicting the team winning, but also that player needs to be the one driving it. And unfortunately for Bontempelli owners, it wasn't him. But on the flip side, that's why when he does drive it, these 160 scores mm. become very attainable. And that's why I think with this volatility, people go, well, at least the safest thing I can do is get a guy like Yo yeah. and save the cash. Save the cash for a future day because... As I said before, I just don't have any confidence that outside of Neil and Fife in Supercoach, who else will be in that top eight group? So if I've got doubt over that, I'm always going to take the cheaper guy. It's true. Well, if you look at who are the top eight scoring midfielders right now, and maybe um, I know a few episodes ago um, you were talking about guys that started well last year and then had a poor score. We'll, we'll look at that too in, in terms of some learnings for us. But if we just focus on purely super coach midfielders at the moment, the top eight in terms of total points, Neil, Boak, we knew he was good last year, but number two midfielder in the comp right now for points, not so sure. Duncan, Simpkin, you know, you could remove him out in terms of the forward eligibility if you like. Then some names that, again, you probably wouldn't have picked. Steele. Parker, Adams, Gaff, McCluggage, and Lyons. They are all outscoring Cripps and Tom Mitchell. Uh, look, Scott Pendlebury's having a ripper good year as well. Took Miller um, is up there in the top 20 total point scoring players through the formats in the midfield at the moment. So it's one of those interesting and fascinating years that just because you've started strong, you've flown out of the gate, you've got these big boys, doesn't mean they're not. And I think you're, you're right. Yo is that perfect candidate. Is he going to be 120? No. But can he go on a run of a four, five, six weeks and get you that 115, 120 at a cheaper price and having the right matchups these next two weeks? I think he's a good one because you're right. Sometimes we look at what a player's done and go, well, that's what they're going to keep doing. But we keep looking, if we want to look back over previous years, just because you start on fire in one year, it's not the automatic guarantee you're going to do it for the rest of the year, is it? Yeah, that's the thing, MJ. Like, you just don't want to be paying for past performances. Like, I look at an Elliot Yo and a Luke Parker. I, I, I totally think from now on, they could both score the same. And Luke Parker's 100K more. And that's why, as mm. I mentioned, when you've got a guy like Yo, price is great. Yeah. Proven, proven performer over multiple years. Yeah. I think in a great side, a side yes. that's going to win a lot of games. And we've seen this year, as I mentioned, it's more important than ever that your team wins because of the scoring involvements you get. Again, yeah. if, you're not, if you're not involved in scoring, very hard. And that's where a lot of these points come from. But yeah. like you mentioned, MJ, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about you know, who were the guys that last year jumped out of the gate and we all thought, okay, this is the year. And then they tailed away. Like I yeah. look back at Dream Team last year. After five rounds, Ricky Henderson had the fifth most points in the competition. He was going at 110. Oh, yeah, and again, we were, all, we were all absolutely you know, enthralled by what he was doing. If you brought him in after round five, he gave you an average of 92 in the remaining 17 games. Yeah, wow. you know, on the flip side, 
you know, we spoke about, you look at a Dane, a Dane Zorko. Again, last two years, he'd been a slow start. It was going at 90 in the first five. After that, MJ, he went at 108 mm. in the final 17 games and was just outside the top 10. So these are the guys that you have to think it's going to balance back out. You know, yeah. it's very rare you're going to get a Dane Zorko, especially someone like a Zorko who is prone to attack, but then yep. on the flip side, has the ceiling to balance it back out. Mm. And Yo, in that sense, has a similar ability. He'll have games where, like I mentioned, round one, he gave away seven free kicks and scored in the 50s. Hmm. But then conversely, he'll have a game where those tackles go his way. It's a free kick for contested possessions, and he's a 150. So yeah. if you think you've copped some of these bad scores, year after year, we see that it does balance back out. Again, Patrick Cripps was another one that I think coaches last year, he was a, had the third most points after five rounds, going at 119. Yeah. Again, everyone, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but most coaches were thinking, well, this is the year I've got to get him in. I've got to find a way to get him in. Yeah. He played 15 of the next 17 games, went at an average of 95. Yeah. And you were paying, by that point, you were plus. probably almost paying, paying 110 plus. So that's where I caution people that you've, if you've bringing in someone, that means you've missed what they've already delivered. So you have to be really confident, really confident that it's going to continue. And as I mentioned, when I look at that top 10 and the, one, the guys you read out in the Supercoach, mm. I don't have any confidence that they're going to be clearly above a guy like Yo. And especially I don't want to pay 100K more to do it. Again, as you, like, there's guys like McRae, MJ, yeah. that we know year on year are the best guys. Like, they just deliver year on year. And as I said, I know it's a different year, but I want more than five games to make that decision, to see what yeah. happens with them. Either they rocket back up and they show that they're a great scorer or... If they keep going slow, they only become a better option in the future. So I, I really get why the love in the community for a guy like Yo, because as I mentioned, he ticks so many boxes. And a, a year where cash is hard to find, I think it's a type of option that can really propel your season forward. And most importantly, get these rookies off the field that are given yeah. us you know, sub 40 scores and get someone that you know, maybe 100 is enough at that price for the next 17 weeks. But like I said, we know he can go 110 for extended stretches also. Yeah. I think there's some some fascinating ways coaches are going to go about um, generating cash in their teams this year. In, in Dream Team, look, honestly, unless you nailed the picks of uh, Simpkin and Smith in your starting lineups, um, maybe you jumped on a, uh, a, a Ridley. A Ridley, maybe. You know, in the back yeah. line. Or, or, or even, you know, you went the uniques um, through the midfield that are, that are fired for us a little bit, like the Taylor Adams and the Luke Parkers that seemed value, even a, a Lockie Neal. Like, if you haven't nailed those mid-price or under-price premiums in Dream Team, I'm not seeing a lot of coaches completing their side unless they're having to factor in guys like Brayshaw and Houston as a part of completed teams and to be fair maybe they're going to be close enough to be completed teams anyway yeah i think that's a great point mj there's going to be players like you mentioned the houston and a brayshaw that are close enough and i think in the back line the forward line and even the midfield to this this year mm. you can get away with it the line that i'm seeing people now start to realize they've got real issues with yeah. and real decisions to make and this is where i think you can you can get really creative with rail and, and potentially remove this headache is if you do not have Gorn, mm. Grundy, or Goldstein, two of those three, especially oh in the super coach format, you're in trouble. It is getting really, really tricky because we spoke about Mark Pittnett and we, we spoke about the really aggressive move of, of restructuring 
and people even bringing down a Brody Grundy to a Mark Pitnett, yeah. you know, to take a Connor Buderick. I think Jai Simpkin was the name that was all on the nose and he has been very good since. Yeah. But now the issue is Pitnett's scores have come back to the pack a little bit. You Correct. know, he's, he's got a break even of 76 in Supercoach MJ. So he's scored a 94 and an 83. So you'd think he's got a little bit more to make. But yeah. even if we say he scores 100, you know, he's around the 445 mark. We're talking 300K yeah, to get lot. Mark Pitnett to a max scorn. And that's the guy that most of these coaches do not have. Yeah. And he's been on absolute fire. So I can see a lot of coaches thinking, you know what might be the best move? I know Pitnet might have a little bit of cash, but like we mentioned, so does Max Gorn the way he's going. So yeah. even if Pitnet goes up, Max Gorn seems to be going up at a similar rate. I would not be surprised if coaches look and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take Matthew Rowell and Mark Pitnet. I'm going to drop Rowell down to a rookie. Yep. And again, with the amount of DPP we've got in these sides, you can pretty much take your pick. Throw I know Jay Carson is really Your Brayshaw, your Rivers, yep. whatever. Bring down, you know, bring in an Arts or someone like that that you like as a rookie. Whatever you have to do. Obviously, Arts is preferred for a lot of people because he's a lot cheaper. So you might yeah. need that cash for this deal. But this might be your chance to go, you know what? Pitnet's been great, especially if you got on him early. Yeah. And you got to take some of those 130 plus scores. But MJ, we're talking in the last couple of weeks, you're giving up anywhere between 60 to 80 points on a Max Gorn. Like that is how incredible he's scoring. So yeah, it's crazy. even if you can drop a row down to, like I mentioned, an arts, you get in Max Gorn because you, yeah. you're going to need, you're going to need those guys. Obviously, as I mentioned, Goldstein's been sensational as well, but maybe by doing that, you recoup those 80 points and albeit, you might not be having two solid premiums. Mm. But with some of the players we've got out, you might be able to loophole, you know, an arts and another player and just get the best score you can and neutralize a Gorn yeah. because he's a type of guy. You know, we're talking about scoring in the mid-160s, MJ, for the past three weeks. It's and we've spoken about huge. how well rucks go in this format. Like he's gone to 184 or 141 or 163. And the 93 the was weeks. against Nick and Adenui. Yeah, he's yeah. got Gold Coast this week. Um, and then the following week, he's got the Segler-maybe-McAvoy combination. So you'd certainly bank on that good scoring run to continue too. Yeah, I just feel like it's very hard to get that, that cash. Like 300K is no small figure. So I think if you're a coach, and this is where enjoyment does come into it, if you do not have Max Scorn and he is on a run like this, it can absolutely suck the fun straight out of the competition. So I see the opportunity for a lot of coaches. Yeah. It might be time to jump off the pit net track. And again, Wits is no slouch. No. He might not go a 150. But at the same forward. time, his break evens 128. So we're yeah. talking about a minimal price movement anyway. Yeah. I feel like if you can just restructure, bring in, bring in and go on for a pit net, row down to a rookie. Yeah, that gives you another avenue for cash. And as I mentioned, I feel like a lot of people have options for loopholing. Yep, you get two cracks of that rookie score. As I mentioned, the way that things are going at the moment, Gorn's going one anywhere between one forty one fifty. If you can loophole and get a fifty in return for a rookie, I don't know if you can find a pit net and another premium at round Rouse price yeah. that are going to deliver that similar two hundred points. And we haven't even factored the captaincy option that Gorn is. So I feel like for a lot of coaches with, with Pitnet or another Ruckman, they're not entirely happy with. Mm. I wouldn't go to the stepping stone option. I know a guy like Tim English has been great. Yeah. 
but all of a sudden, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, now you've got to find another 150K yeah. to get to a Gorn. And, and it's just, you're just burning trades, MJ. So if I'm a coach like that, maybe you just think, yep, now's the time. Now, Rao's done an incredible job, giving me a lot of cash here to do whatever I mm. want. I'd be really inclined just to go, you know what? I'm very confident Gorn's going to be in the top few. He was in the top few in the format, wasn't super, super, super ruck friendly. Yeah. Now it's as ruck friendly as I've ever seen. Yeah. He's the type of guy that I would have immense confidence in continuing this run. Again, as opposed to a Lockie Neal, who is susceptible to a tag, albeit no one's gone near him yet. There yep. is Matt DeBoer in two weeks. Two. But I just feel like this is a great opportunity for coaches because most people have Rao. And especially most pit net owners would have him as well. Yeah. I don't mind the pivot with all the DPPs you've got. Yeah, I like it. To bring a guy like that on and just neutralize that guy like Max Gorn. Because at the moment, he is taking the competition away from those coaches with this run. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and that's, while that was very much a super coach focused, you know, stats and points and things, I, I think it's absolutely relevant um, for coaches across all formats. And, and you bring up this interesting point. I purely want to just drill on the AFL fantasy component of it because for you at the coaches panel, we love talking about all parts of, of fantasy footy. You bring up Lockie Neal. I've got this idea and I don't know if going into a second lot of isolation has started to play with my brain. So I, I want to bounce this thought off you and, and pick your brain, Kane. Lockie Neal right now is $930,000 in AFL fantasy. Coming up against Geelong, so Thursday night, which is, you know, time of recording tonight. So he's going to be in AFL fantasy, a vice-captaincy loophole option. Got a break-even of 37. Cam Guthrie, you suspect, would, would try and play some kind of negating role on him, given Geelong have shown they're happy to do a tag. And then next week, you talk about Matt DeBoer. Here's my crazy thought. I want to bounce it off you. He's probably going to go up. Let's go off his projected score of 86. Another 40-odd K. Near a million dollars. Next week, he's got Matt DeBoer. Could you look at moving him on to pretty much anybody in the midfield you'd like? You're pretty much going to get 100K to a Trelaw and their gaff. Maybe about 150K to a steel or to a lions um, it's similar for a Duncan. Could you downgrade away from the number one point scoring player right now to get hopefully someone that'll be within a comparable range. But as you've said, it's what you do with that extra trade that will make the difference and get that 150 K 200 K hundred K, whatever it is you look at to put on top of a player and all of a sudden turn your Curtis Taylor next week into that bottomed out Bailey Smith if you don't have him or to turn him into a, a Jack Crisp who's at a bottom of doubt price or something like that. Is that a type of move we should be considering AFL fantasy or if you're a Neil owner, one of the 38, 40 odd percent that have him just go, I'm not moving him on for anything by injury. Well, MJ, it's a really interesting one. I wouldn't be doing it this week. Like you said, you've got a vice captaincy loophole and there's really not many other players in this game that many coaches would have as an option. So no. if you don't even get a look at a Lockie Neal score again, it's probably McCluggage, Lions, Dangerfield, yeah, and then maybe Selwood owners might just have to throw it on there, there just because they can. Yeah, just because they can. Um, the interesting part is cash generation is slow and gradual in AFL fantasy. Mm. You know, it's, a, it's a competition where it doesn't move too much. I think the interesting part is what are the rookies like coming through? How much confidence do you have in 
downgrading those guys because if you don't have any confidence in the rookies, I am more inclined to do a move like that because yeah. especially if you look at a Lockie Whitfield type, Lockie Neal is at the moment 260K more than Lockie Whitfield. Clearly, the DeBoer tag is, is the factor. Yeah. Because we know what he did to him in the finals. Lockie, Lockie Neal destroyed GWS in the season when DeBoer was out. Yeah. In the finals, he absolutely towed him up. And, and the addition to that also is, it's not just Matt DeBoer why he's so effective. The GWS midfield is so good yeah. that they also deprive a player like Lockie Neal of the ball. That's, yes. that's why it's such a deadly combination because you've got DeBoer's a great tagger. Yeah. They've got a great midfield. And we saw what they did to Hawthorne. They are very happy at possessing the ball yeah. and they have a lot of skillful players that can use it. So all of a sudden, if you have any Hawthorne players on the weekend, you notice it so much. There's just passages of play where two to three minutes go by and you haven't even had a chance for a Hawthorne player to score. No. So it's a, it's, a full, it's a full collective unit that makes Matt DeBoer and the Giants so hard to score against. Again, the hard thing, MJ, is what are you doing with the cash? That's what we always say, but what yeah. are you doing with the cash? Because you've got to look at it, like we say, what's the combination? If you're getting, for instance, a Connor Buderick, who let's just say is a 40 in this format, which is still a decent score. Mm. And let's just say you think Lockie Neal against DeBoer is, you know, maybe an 80. You know, yeah. that would be, that's still a ton to be a good impressive. effort. We're talking yeah. 120 points. Can you find, a, again, a Whitfield's a great example because he's so much cheaper with that incredible ceiling. Let's just yeah. say you do that next week, 250K. And all of a sudden, you're making Buderick, you know, 570. Maybe you've got a bit of cash in bank and you love some, you found someone around 600K value that you just mm. think, yeah, this person's on the up and up. You know, Brandon Parfit was an example in previous weeks. The risk is, is it the one little road bump for a lucky Neil? You know, is he going to just, he might cop that DeBoer week, but then after that, he just continues Back on his on merry way. Yeah. And, and the hard thing is he's playing so much time on ground, MJ. We're talking 98%. Yeah. So it's not like he's, you know, he's off the ground and it's just an incredible points per minute sort of effort. Um, he's doing stuff that, you know, his minutes are only about 10 minutes less than last year, despite the game time collectively, yeah. you know, going down 16 minutes. And as I said, if you've watched Lockie Neal play, he, he goes off when it's usually the ball's in slow play. Like, it's yeah. almost like when he goes off the ground, the Lions are very happy to slow it down, yeah. give him a rest. Like, he doesn't miss centre bounces. Like, even if he goes off, his Straight knack is on. that if, if a goal is kicked, he comes back on for the centre bounce. Yeah. So, he, his scoring opportunities are barely affected. And um, the thing I've been super impressed by Lockie Neal is he spoke about and he was challenged by his coach to to kick more. Like you're a mm. good kick, use the ball more. And just by getting his handball to kick ratio balanced back out, yeah, he's finding five to six more points alone. And we know in this condensed format, um, how damaging just even five to six more points is. So yeah. um, I would have to love MJ, the combination. Like okay. I would really have to be super competent because I've been just blown away by what Lockie Neal's done. Like I, I pegged him in our Keeper League podcast chats, you know, as a hundred sort of guy, because that's yeah. what I'd seen from him. Yeah. Um, and again, he hasn't got the attention yet, which is what we were critical of anyway, because we yeah. know he started red hot last year. He got, got some, some attention. attention. He tailed off. 
and he, and he capped it off with a massive score against Richmond who let him do whatever he wanted. He had 50 plus touches. So yeah. I still want to see the attention, but he's added strings to his bow. I, I can't not be impressed. Again, he's kicking more. He's actually hitting the scoreboard more. We all know what, he, what happened if he kicked straight the previous week. So yeah. I'm genuinely inclined to believe that even if the ball gets hold of him and drops him down to a 60 or 70 in this format, once he gets past that, and the way he's playing and the way the Lions are playing and the teammates around him, mm. he is the type of guy that can have, you know, 120 in the old type of season. So my, I guess my answer is if you love the other players that you can get and you have supreme confidence that, yeah. yep, these guys are about to skyrocket. Let's just say you have enough cash and it's a Whitfield and a Yo, yeah. and you think, yep, Whitfield's going, you know, 90 from here on in. Mm. Yo's going 85. And you think that, you know, Lockie Neal gets a 70 and then maybe he goes back to his hundreds and you're replacing a Buderick. I think yep. by all means, you definitely could make it work because like I said, cash is hard. The other factor is you got to have to put up within that move. And this is the hardest part for coaches is you are going to have to watch Lockie Neal play footy. And you don't have for him. For <laughs> a very, and you don't have him for a very, very long time. So yeah. again, the longer the season goes and once you, you know, you're doing an upgrade quicker. That's the advantage. Yes. Like in the short term, you should get between, you know, 20 to 40 points on that move because Neil's top value, Buderick's a little peaking. And the two players you're bringing in are going to probably be underpriced. Sure. The hard thing is you've done the upgrade, you know, let's just say three weeks ahead of maybe you're scheduled to do if you just waited around for the rookies to generate cash. Yeah. The hard thing is in three weeks time when that kind of Buderick gets brought up to another premium, Mm-hmm. Now it's Lockie Neal and that premium yeah. chasing down a Whitfield and a Yo. Yeah. So you've got to make sure that that maybe 100 points you steal doesn't get overrun in the remaining six or seven rounds Correct. with a Lockie Neal chasing it. And that's why those moves are so risky because the players you have to pick, you have to nail them. To and they have to be, you have to, they have to become, you know, if you're bringing in a four, they've got to almost be in the top three, four forwards, or conversely, Lockie Neal has to fall off a cliff. And, and the yeah. way he's playing, like, like as I said, like he's, he's really impressed me. Again, time on ground's gone through the roof. He was mm. challenged in that at Freo. He was an 80% sort of guy. Went up to the low 90s at Brisbane last year. And again, yeah. albeit shortened format, he's playing you know, Harris Andrews type of time on ground type of numbers, MJ. Yeah. So there's massive risk in it. Um, and that's what I think is unappealing because the people that have Neal, probably have a good team and probably want to be more defensive in their rank. Correct. Uh, I think that you've summarized that really, really well. If, if you are looking at guys that we, we've talked a little bit about, um, a, a um, Yo and a Whitfield really being at a good price range to pick up this week um, across the formats right now. Dangerfield's another one who's still in super coach. If you believe he can bounce back, uh, he got a 140 just the other week. He's just over $550,000 in, in Dream Team. I'm in a break even of 80, by the way, in Dream Team. Break even of 83, uh, just over 700K. Um, in AFL Fantasy, uh, a break even of 49. Uh, he's going to set you back about 720K. Again, he's um, this week he could be a vice captaincy loophole option for you if you wanted to get a, a, a second hit at the captaincy cherry in that format and don't own a, a Lockie Neal. Um, other players that, that are you know right for the picking in, in varying formats. In Dream Team, for example, Jake Lloyd's got a break-even of 96. 
Uh, but at 746, uh, he, even if he doesn't get that, he's barely dropping anything. So he's pretty much ripe for the picking. Uh, Rory Laird's coming off the back of an 80-odd score. He's got a break-even of 77. He's under 650K, dropped about 50,000 on his initial starting point. And Matt Crouch um, got dropped just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but has a break-even now of 78. These are all for Dream Team. Um, and it's going to set you back uh, just over $685,000. So, again, if you're looking for some cheaper options across the formats, even in Supercoach, if you want to go real crazy, um, Jack Rewalt's just over 250K and has a break-even of 34. And we know that he can go on hot tears as well. No lynch might mean he's more of a, a goal-kicking focal point for him again. So there's these guys this week to go and get. And then if we try to look forward over the next two weeks, um, again, at coachespanel.tv, I've tried to help you in Dream Team and in Supercoach, looking at some guys that are probably going to be at bottomed out price. I haven't done any AFL fantasy ones, just purely because I think pretty much everyone's got an achievable break even almost every single week in that format. But in, in two weeks' time, Patrick Cripps will be around about 574K because he's got a break even this week of 148. Um, Clayton Oliver's pretty much about right now what he's going to be, but uh, almost 475,000 for Canelio in a week. Dusty will be under 500K in a week. And then in, you know, similar to for those names across Dream Team, really though, let's look at the guys that are in two weeks' time that are the right for the picking options for us. In two weeks' time, we've already talked about Bailey Smith. He's going to be under 400,000. Should he hit his projected scores, he's got a break even um, this week of 171. I actually don't mind Ben Cunnington. Um, he's got a break even over 200,000. He'll be under 500K. Again, we know what he can do in that format of the game. James Sicily and Shannon Hearn will both be around that 470,000 marker in a fortnight's time. Even an Isaac Heaney's got another 30, 40K to drop on what he's currently priced at. And then if you look through Dream Team, around about the 460K marker for Bailey Smith in that format, Andrew Gaff could be under 800,000 or there and thereabouts in two weeks' time. Dane Zorko, yes, he's playing a lot of forward, um, but an injury to a Neil um, could see, or an injury to a McCluggage type, and we never hope for injuries, but in two weeks' time, he'll be around 600,000 in Dream Team. Um, as will be a Darcy Byrne-Jones. He'll be under $550,000. He started the year well. A little bit quiet the past couple of weeks in Port Adelaide. So that's one of those things that separates good coaches from great coaches, isn't it? Isn't it? It's not just thinking, Kane, this week I'm going to make this move. And then next week I'll think about what I'm doing. Is it's forecasting as best you can what your side will look like in three weeks' time or four weeks' time because those are the moves that are going to set your team up for success and ultimately also inform what you should be doing this week. Yeah, I think there's another few topics, MJ, I think are really, really fascinating this week. And one does revolve around Jake Arts. He was, he was great on debut for the Tigers, mm. mature age. And we know historically how much more consistent mature age players often are. Yeah. Richmond have been handed an incredibly unfortunate run of injuries. Again, right. that was... Absolute carnage at the MCG. And obviously, the decision of, you know, Basha Hawley, Shane Edwards, with newborns on the way or just arrived yeah. to stay out of the hubs. Um, Asprey was out before. To, correct. So, there seems to be opportunity aplenty. And I think a lot of people are thinking, with the way Jake Arts played, um, you know, he's got a good run at it. He's got yeah. a good run for the next, you'd have to say, at least the next month, the mm. way he played and the way these injuries are 
long-term or at least medium-term for these type mm. of guys. But the thing I want to caution people with is I don't think Jake Arts is a must-have rookie in terms of if I have the cash to turn a row and a genuine rookie, I'm talking Stasevic, Branda, Brown, Buderick. Yeah. You know the type of player I'm talking about. If I have the availability in cash and I can get two players mm. that I am very, very comfortable with in my team, I'm pulling the trigger on that. I'm yeah. not going to just downgrade one of those guys to, a, to an arts no. and have 250K sitting in the bank for a future week. Because like I mentioned last week, MJ, stuff keeps popping up. Yeah. Like I've, I've seen people talking about and this is another topic I really want to dive into because I, I just don't get the logic on this. But I've seen people say, I'm going to hold Matt Rowe because he's not going to lose cash. Right. And I'm going to trade Jack Viney because what? he will drop in cash. It's, MJ, it's happening out there. And I want to caution people and say, get your points on the field. Yeah. Jake Arts is not a good enough rookie to move your chains around. If I thought he was an 80-plus guy, I understand sure. it because the drop-off between the premium I'm going to bring in and what I expect Arts to score is not that much. So, yes, I want to get on him before. The other factor that's coming through is there's heaps of rookies coming through. They're talking about playing five rounds of games in four weeks. Yeah. And we've already seen a guy like Marlon Piggott, he's already back in the fray. Yeah. Melbourne's language has changed incredibly about Harley Bennell. He was, he was apparently miles away after the Essendon Melbourne game was... Um, postponed. Yeah. The language Simon Goodwin was using sounded like he we'll was a month away. Yeah. Now, now they've had a horrible game against Richmond where they couldn't use the ball by foot at all. And that's just collectively across the whole yeah. group. And now we, and now we, people are singing Harley Bennell's praises internal and he's back in the mix. So my point is, there's always going to be rookies on the way. Yeah. Already this week, we've got Will Kelly from Collingham. Sam Simpson We've got the two Toronto. Sydney boys. Sam yeah. Simpson's back after you know multiple years, you know, biding his time. We've got Dylan Stevens. We've got Warner. Like yeah. there will be rookies because squads are going to be pushed more than ever. That's yeah. not just because of the frequency of games, but that's also the level of injuries we've seen in the last few weeks. It's been huge. Again, pe- people thought it would happen after a long layoff, and unfortunately, it is happening. So I want to caution people and say. If you can turn a row and a rookie into two players that you are very happy with, yeah. have no concerns about letting Arts go by. Yes, he may come out and prove me wrong and score 100 sure. and be in the team and I've missed him. But if I've got a chance to turn two rookies that I've picked at the start of the year, I know rao has been sensational. Yeah. I know Stasevich probably has, depending on how he goes, anywhere between 50 to 100K left. But the game is points. And if I can get points on the field with two premiums, I'm going to do that trade. On to the Jack Viney thing, MJ. And there's yes, a few please. other people I'm going to throw. These are the other names I've heard. John Segler, Devin Smith, Jack Viney. They're the main three I've heard where people go, oh, they've had a couple poor weeks. They're not going to be, they're not going to be good enough keepers. This, this is my thoughts on Jack Viney, MJ. And most of the competition brought him in after his monster score. They brought him in after his monster score, especially in Supercoach where we were gifted five trades. Jack Viney on the weekend could not have kicked the ball worse. worse. <laughs> Again, he I've had seen eight, he had eight turn- kick it better, unfortunately. He had eight turnovers, MJ. He yeah, had eight huge. turnovers. Like, we talk about disposal efficiency. You can't just look at what the disposal efficiency is. You no. need to see if they're clangers. Yes. Is it, is it, is it okay? Is it, a, you know, 
costing you zero points and gaining you zero points with an ineffective kick? Or is it costing you points the other way Correct. when he kicks it straight to the opposition? And unfortunately for Viney, his disposal was poor. Yep. He had one touch in the fourth quarter when the game was still there to be won by Melbourne. Yep. And he scored 60 points. He, he barely went up at all in the fourth quarter. And super coach, yeah. So now he's lost 30K from what he was the week previous. He scored an 86 and a 91 before that. You know, solid numbers. I just find it very hard to believe that Jack Viney is pressing enough in anyone's team. Yes, he could, he, he could drop more cash. And I would sure. say with a break even that he has of 136, he will definitely lose cash this week. Yep. But this is where I sit with him. If you are trading Jack Viney and you're, you're happy to leave a Buderick, a Brown, a Stasevic, these Rivers, type of guys on your yeah. field, Rivers, who could be in, we haven't seen teams yet at the time of recording MJ, but he could be, he could be an issue, especially yep. at his age and Melbourne's inconsistency. Yep. Brand is not in the team. Noble's not in the team at this stage. Jack Viney had a 60. You know, he had a 60. And as I mentioned, his disposal was awful. Couldn't it was absolutely worse, awful. Yeah. Melbourne lost and he wasn't helping him in any type of way. Marcus Bontempelli was in the 50s this week, MJ. Yeah. And we go, oh, well, he, got, he, had a, you know, he had a bad game. It's Marcus Bontempelli. If Jack Viney keeps got scoring poorly, and I mean, let's just say sub-70, sure, he's going to drop so much cash that it's not even worth trading. No. Nah. That's, one, that's, that's one option, right? So he, has, he keeps going at 60s. He's 350K. There's no point even trading him at that point. Yeah. If he, if he keeps scoring well, and he starts generating cash again, let's just say he goes at 100 for the next month on average, and he's back around 500K, well, guess what? You're not going to trade him that way either because he's <laughs> scoring well enough to be in your team. Yeah. So I don't, know if the, I don't know if the number's exactly 80 points. Maybe that's the number where you go, okay, he's plateauing around 450K, 400K. He's scoring 80. You know, I'll move him on because it's pretty constant. I can take my pick of the premiums. Have we not seen the amount of injuries we've been through the yeah, last exactly. few weeks? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna tell me you're going to sit Raul on the bench. Yes. You're going to oh, track Viney because Viney's going to lose catch. So, MJ, let's fast forward to next week at the rate we're going. Let's just say, for sake of argument, we do lose a Lockie Neal. Sure. We lose a Lockie Neal. And it's just, let's say it's a, it's a one-way cami. The, Nat Fife hammy, I'll call it. <laughs> um, so, now we've got Matt Rout and Lockie Neal on our bench. Okay, so now we're sitting on these two guys. We could have traded Rao last week. Could have. We could have traded him. But no, we traded Viney. We traded Segler. We traded Devin Smith. I just feel like people have lost the plot worrying about 30K drop. Yeah. Again, Viney was awful. Sure. Again, if, if awful is 60 points, and as I said, eight turnovers, nothing when the game was still there to be won. Mm. The guys before this has gone 186. 86 91. Yeah, it's like, 100 points. If he's scoring, he's scoring, he's scoring okay. Again, even if he just goes at the 86 and the 91 and we forget that incredible performance round one, is that really this much of a problem at this point in the season? Yeah. As I mentioned, it goes pretty much one of two ways. He keeps scoring poorly and he depreciates so quickly that it's not that worth, it's not the worth it because it's not worth trading. And he just sits there and ideally he slides to an M9. Sure. Conversely, if he bounces back, well, guess what? He's probably okay at M8. Yeah. You know, that's the, again, as I said, maybe the number's 80 points and he just ticks at 80 points and it's a bit annoying, 
but it's not the end of the world. It's better than having a rookie on the field. If you trade Viney and you leave Rao there, yeah, you are conceding another rookie on the field. Correct. You are conceding that. Well, it's pushing the McInerney on, for example. Yeah. Exactly. So you might be pushing on a McInerney or a Tyler Brown. So you're telling me you're going to cop probably a 20 to a 30 point score <laughs> instead of maybe, let's say, what Viney gets. In a bad Let's say it's a 30 point difference. Let's say it's a 30 to 40 point difference, MJ. And that's a bad I would, Yeah. I would take 40 points for 30K. If there was yeah. a system where you could buy points and lose the, the salary cap I'd you have, yeah. I would do that. So I just want to caution people that, yes, Viney hasn't been a great, a great pick. I think everyone who brought him in is disappointed. If you brought yeah. him in after that, you're not happy. No, you're Especially not. when you look back in hindsight and you see that, you know, Jai Simpkin was sitting there in the forward line at 60K cheaper. Yeah. And he's been unbelievable. But it's gone. Like, the movement for Viney is gone. He's going at 79 in his last three. Mm. Is that really the end of the world? In a season where we've been getting injuries left, right, and center. No. I just really want to caution people who are saying, I'll hold Rao because he won't depreciate in value. And I'll trade a Jack Viney. I just do not get your logic. Unless you know that Tyler Brown's going 85, 90 plus this week. Yeah. Let me know. Um, I'll put him on the field. But yes, please. in the long run, even if that trade worked out and you, or you get a Tyler Brown 90, yep. the next week, you've still got to worry about Rao. So if anything else goes wrong, Jeremy Howe, Nat Fife, you've got this guy that you know is out long-term. There's no hope that he gets a one-week Fife Hamians back. Like yeah. they've said, he's out for 12 weeks, Yeah, which in my mind means season. the season. Yeah. So I just want to cautious people. I know you might be worried about little drops in cash. But as I said, if Viney goes 100 in two or three weeks' time, he's back to the price he had anyway. So exactly. I, I don't get that part. I know that people are frustrated with Segler. Again, he split time with McAvoy on the weekend, which is raising all sorts of alarm bells. But I have to believe if you watch the game, if you've heard any of the media out of this game, mm. the Giants were as efficient inside 50 to scores as we've ever measured in the competition. They were, ph- they were phenomenal on the weekend, weren't they? And unfortunately for Ben McAvoy, the summary of the night is when Jeremy Cameron wheeled on his left, kicked it into the pocket, Harry Himmelberg put a step on McAvoy, just exposed spun him around and ran into an open goal. They lost Mitch Lewis. They lost Scrimshaw. Yeah. But what do you think Clarko's going to do? Of course he's going to swing Segler and McAvoy forward. Yeah. And share in the ruck. He just lost his key forward. Yeah, that's right. And again, as I mentioned, the back line was not working. They couldn't have no. let more scores through more quickly. Again, every time Giants were in there, they were scoring. It was not working. Again, that goes for Sicily as well. Yeah. You cannot panic on Sicily. No way. In Supercoach, he scored 44. Awful. And I know people traded him in, so there's a lot of venom about that. Yeah, of moment. course there is. He's averaging 90. Yeah. Again, the GWS forward line was as good it could, not have, ever they could not have been more efficient entering inside 50. Exactly. There, there was no, there was barely any behinds for Cicely to take. There was barely any intercept marks. It wasn't happening. If it was no. going in, it was <laughs> ending in a score. That's right. And we haven't even factored in the, the injury. So again, maybe this is the start where Clarko shifts McAvoy back into the ruck. Sure. But I don't think it is. I really I don't, don't think, so. think it is. And I know Segler has Grundy and, Matt and Gorn coming up. He's going 86 as a ruck forward. Yep. It's a bloody handy flexibility, MJ, if you've got a Gorn or a Grundy yep. to swing him into the R3 position and cover them for a week. Yep. I just think, again, 
these are guys that they're in their best 22. Yep. I'm not worried about Segler dropping out of the team. No. It was an in-game transition. It didn't happen at the start of the game. It wasn't And with part a of reason. Yeah, and with reason. Exactly. It wasn't part of the plan. It was when the injuries happened to Scrimshaw and Lewis. Forced and we, as I mentioned, we, 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 it forced a change. You had to adjust. Clarko adjusted the side. McAvoy went into the rucks. Segler forward. They switched it up. Mm. And clearly, Hawks didn't win. Segler didn't score great. McAvoy did. Mm. But he spent the whole preseason there in this setup. Yeah. I'd be very shocked. I think if Jonathan Patton will come back in, yep. the structure will be fixed. Yep. Clearly, the way the ball was coming in from the midfield, he wouldn't be happy with. No. And the way the defense worked together wasn't great either because mm. GWS had a field day. So I just feel like, MJ, when people are worrying about guys in this 450 to 500K range who are solid sort of scorers, obviously yeah. Devin Smith's a bit on the cheaper end, but yeah. he's actually averaging more than Segler. Like, we're worried about 50 to 70 point games for guys that are averaging 86. 87 and Viney's going at 105. As I mentioned, even if we take out the first one, it's still 79. Yeah. Like we're copying 29s, 28s, 38s. Like, yeah. Sub can we get these guys off the field? Yeah, that, that is the priority. My other question is who are you trading them to? Yeah. You, you've, either got a, you've either robbed a bank and you're going a Segler oh. to a Simpkin, 100K. Yeah. Like, and then what does that, what does that do? Yeah. Like, I just, you're actually not moving closer to a 22 of premium, consistent scoring players. Again, people were off Dan Houston. Interesting mm-hmm. enough, Ryan Burton goes down. Houston swung more back into defense. Fern Jones tails off. Houston goes up. Yeah. But when you're in this price bracket, you've just got to be patient with these guys. Again, the amount of stories I'm hearing about, hearing about people jumping off Hugh McCluggage after two weeks. Yeah. And now he's the third most informed player in Supercoach the last three weeks. Gone like, for a reason. I feel for you, but you let him have two games. Like, yeah. two games. Like, one of them. And then there was an eight-week break and then one more. So, yeah. get the rookies off the field. That if you don't have enough cash to do a row on a rookie to a two, rook, two premiums, that's where I think a Jake Arts does come into it. Sure. Because you, you can't get someone that you're happy with. Have that cash next week. Let them appreciate a little more and yep. get someone you are happy with. But you cannot, in my opinion, unless I don't even know what other injury you'd have to have. Matt Rowley's out for the season. I just no. think get that money, reinvest it into your team. Yeah. He's made 250 don't, don't be, for you. Yeah. Don't worry about Segler Viney at this stage. No. As I mentioned, it's going to go the two ways either way. They're either going to keep scoring well enough that you want to keep them. Correct. Or they're going to drop up enough where you think it's not it's worth, not worth the, trade. the trade. Just let it go. It's okay. Again, we're talking about <laughs> 70s, 53 and 60, MJ. That's still 20-odd points more than a rookie. Correct. And they were awful. And that's their so, bad game. I just wanted to dispel that, that logic I'd seen with people saying that they're worried about a 30K depreciation of a vining. It's not worth it. And they're going to hold it. And it's just, you're just digging yourself a hole the next week where if we get another injury, which at the rate we're going, is going to happen. Of course it will. And now all of a sudden, you've got another player that's injured. On your team. What and if you get 400k like sitting on the, the bench? Before. Yeah, exactly. Well, it happened, MJ. And it, and it keeps happening. So, again, let's see what happens with teams. We already know. We've already got three debutons announced. Yes. Early in the week, announced. We haven't even got to a possible Isaac Rankin. So, again, if it suits your plans this week to drop a rookie to a Jake Arts and upgrade Matt Rao, beautiful. 
if you've already got the cash to take a rookie to another premium, absolutely do it. Absolutely do it. And I feel like there will be rookies in the future. Don't restructure your trades and have, I've even heard of people having up to 300K in the bank. Reinvest it back into your team. I've seen people talking about, oh, I'll get, you know, Stephen Hill was an example we spoke about last week, MJ. And he did it again. Again, first quarter was, we're talking 60 to 70% of his score for the game came in the first quarter. And then he tailed off and people have paid 190K. You know, just to pluck a name, but Will Hamill scored a 50 for 70K less. Yeah. Like, you've got to really view it as the collective, you know, fight for all that cash you can, sure. But when you get an opportunity to get rookies to premiums, take it. Take it. Don't Absolutely. worry that Starsevich has 50K more. Hey, if you, want to, if you want to wait for Starsevich, Jordan Ridley's only getting further away. Lockie yes, Whitfield's right. only getting further away. That's it. So the game is points. Get the rookies off the field, get premiums in. As I keep saying, if you can do it this week, if you can take a route. And the reason I use Stasevich so much is that he's 60 to 100K more than the other rookies. Yeah. So he gets you there easier. Yeah, correct. Just do it. Yeah. Obviously, you're not going to do a Curtis Taylor. He just scored 100. He's got, he's got obvious cash to make. Totally. Stasevich in Supercoach, just to stick with that format, he's got a 70 break even. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you, you could wait a month and get some more cash, possibly. But he's pretty much As done said, his job. Got, he's done his job, MJ. His job is to become a premium. Yep. Like, that is his job. That is Rao's job. Rao's done it so well that we thought we'd have him for the year. Yeah. But if you look at it in isolation and you're turning Rao and Starsevich into two premiums this week, yeah, nah. you are moving closer to that completed team. Yeah, it's true. If you get to round 12, everything's great. You know, you've got cash everywhere. You can, you can have the luxury of maybe a Viney up then. Mm. great you've got the rookies off the field and the other reason i always caution people of trading these these premium players i mentioned is they have natural job security they're in the team they're often better players you know viney segler devon smith barring injury they're not leaving the team no we might think we might think a rivers has great job security this week a melbourne loss all of a sudden there's some doubt yeah a brander copped a knock you know a picket you wouldn't think would be dropped so that's another reason where I just think hold these mid-range guys. At least they are playing. Yeah. Will the price fluctuate? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely will. But at the same time, if you wait long enough, it wow. usually corrects itself to a normal level. So I've seen a lot of chat about that, MJ, and I just wanted to coach our coaches panel listeners that it's a very flawed logic to be stressing about 30K and sacrificing obvious points. Yeah. And I just... Just get the points back in there. And as I said, like you mentioned, MJ, let your trades this week help your future trades. Yeah, Keeping a row is putting off a problem that, as you said, next week, who knows what we've got? We might yep. have two more injuries. And now you've got more cash sitting on the bench because you downgraded a, a Tyler Brown to a Arts. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't and you know never get to use that cash then. It doesn't. I, I think once you've got you a known issue, you've got to move on that. And yes, it Fix might it. Re- change your plans and your structures. But again, as we're seeing in a pure AFL sense, the teams that are adjusting the best to hub life, to shorten quarters, yeah. are, are the ones that winning. The coaches that are going to have success this year across all of the formats. Yes, you can have your plans. Okay, in three weeks' time, in two weeks' time, I'm going to get Bailey Smith and it's going to be under 400K. You know, you might not be able to get him. Because something will happen. But that's okay. Yeah. Plan for the best. 
but then you've got to be so adjustable along the way. And you're right. We're looking at all these options and candidates through there. Um, one thing that's going to really go unheralded this year is players with dual position and having that dual position link through your midfield is going to be so critical to success this year. Having that mid forward, having that defender mid available for you and picking up these guys that are just going to be able to save you a, a potential trade for a week, not just so that you're safe for that week, but it means that you can still potentially continue on with your plans that you want to do so having that rivers um he might not play this week but keeping him for the year for you as your m11 could be the best thing for your team this year because it's going to open up that gateway to ensure the houston um can be flicked back and forward through your side and so it's looking at how am i going to complete my side as quickly as i can how am i going to maximize points on field as quickly as i can and then the cash cows that i've got how can I get them to move as quickly to that premium possible? Yeah, MJ, you're spot on. Again, the game is points. We do that by obviously needing cash generation. I, I'm not questioning the importance of cash generation. Correct. But when an opportunity presents, and I'm going to okay. say it again, to turn two rookies into two premium players, take it. Yeah, I don't, there's, as I said, there's not another Matt Rao. If Jake Arts was Matt Rao and he's scoring Different at story. a rate that's, com- that's comparable to the premium I'm going to bring in, of course I'm going to take him. But I think there's just as much likelihood Jake Arts scores a 40 on the weekend. Yeah. And guess what? Now I've, t- now I've put a Sam Sturd on the bench to, to field Jake Arts. I've put a Trent Rivers, a McInerney. Like, it's not helping my that's scoring. Cool. So I just, again, I want people to pump the brakes on Segler, Devin Smith. Viney. Viney, yeah. Pump the brakes. As I said, why are we why are we all over Viney when Bontempelli was was worse? Yeah. And and, and people paid an absolute truckload for him. Yeah. Like I know it hurts with Viney because you missed his monster score. Yeah. You missed and, his monster score, and that's okay. Again, if the worst thing that happens is he slides all the way at the end of the season to an M nine, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think like, that's actually a said, phenomenal M nine. Remembering Again, it's a good it's M9. 100 point turnaround in what he's done. So, yes, you missed the score. Yes, you missed the simp. Can take the emotion and the frustration out of your decisions. It's one of the most things that will cloud you from, from success is that emotional reaction and frustration that's dictate your turns. You know, to not go around the circle again with Viney. He's shown he can go 180 this year in Supercoats. He's shown he can go, what was it, 130, 140 or something like that in AFL Fantasy mm-hmm. Dream Team in a shortened quarters. Like, these are realms that nobody really has got to this year. And you have that player. Yes, you might have missed the score, but you have that player. And you're going to choose him over the Buderiks. Come on now. You're going to choose him yeah. as over a McInerney. Come on now. Think about it. Yes, it was bad this week. But your what would be worse is him delivering you a ton this week, and you've moved him on. You had the well, MJ, especially if you've kept Rao. I, I, yeah. I don't even know if I can help someone who, who makes that type of call. Like it's as I said, you've got a proven issue, Take and as it. I said, not a not a one week issue. Like this is he's not coming it's back not to your team. Like no, no it, it's it's something that it, honestly it just frustrated me the logic that was being preached and i just think it was just it was just wrong i just didn't want our listeners 
um, you know, following that path. And as I said, if you're really confident in Jake Arts and you think he's a 75 guy every week, ah, maybe more you. with the go players out, like, go for it. You know, get that in now. Take that cash. You're not going to lose that much score. And if he goes 75 to the premium, you're probably going to bring it anyway. And you're on your way. But to say that Jack Viney is a priority to trade over Matt Rao because he's going to lose 30K. Again, this is the thing. He's lost 30K from last week. He's already lost. If you wait a month, if you wait a month, he might be back over 500K. Like, it's all about timing, we know, with this game. So, as I said, don't lose sight of the priority which is premium players on, rookies off. Yeah. It's a pretty simple game when you say it like that, game. That is for sure. Uh, we might quickly uh, head over to Twitter before we wrap up this episode, just to make sure we answer some of your questions. Um, Brenton wants to know, for AFL Fantasy, is Whitfield bottomed out in price? Mate, the answer is well and truly yes. If you're not a Whitfield owner um, in any format of the game, this is the week to get him, isn't it, Kane? Like 43 is the break even in that format. Um, he's coming off the back of his first ton in that format of the game for the year. He even looked good the week before against Collingwood. So good that they had to tag him after quarter time. If you haven't had Whitfield at this point in the year, it's gone pretty well for you. But now we talk about priorities and what you should be doing. Man, you ran the gauntlet against Whitfield. It's gone your way. Don't tempt Yeah, us. I think... I think the thing is now, MJ, is like you said, if you haven't had him, you're actually banking in a win here. Like we talk about you don't want to bank in a loss. Coaches with Whitfield have suffered. They've had to suffer that concussion-affected score. And now they're they're hoping that, yep, old Whitfield's back, healthy, moving great, junked it up beautifully against the Hawks. I think bank on that win. Don't overthink it. People were paying 150k more at the start of the season. To have him, yeah. Don't. Don't worry about the nickel and diming of, oh, but he's got, you know, he's got a good team this week. Port Adelaide's a great team. He's got Brisbane the following week. Great teams, but also great player. Like, just take it, run, bank in the win. Bank in the win that those coaches that have had to suffer through Whitfield, you know, they're really hoping to get rewarded. So, lock it in. Great value. Number one forward. Yeah, I think you can't overcomplicate those sort of moves, especially with the flexibility of mid-forward MJ. It's pretty much you can move anyone in your team and you can bring him in either line, whatever suits. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, one of our Patreons, uh, Andrew, thank you, mate, for your support. If you want to join the Patreon army and support the Coaches Panel, you can do that too at coachespanel.tv. Plenty of exclusive content and access to the panel is available to you depending on what uh, tier of involvement you get into. Uh, but Andrew wants to know an AFL fantasy question. Kane, who scores more for the rest of the year? I can afford them both. Merit? Or steal? Good question, Andrew. What do you think? Rest of the year. There's about 20K difference, just so you know. um, And ownership's not far off either, Ken. To be honest, I'm actually a massive rap for steal this year, which I know the proven nature of Merritt. The hard thing with Merritt is he's been out of the CBAs, which is interesting um, for his role. And I know he had a great game, you know, against the Swans when he was... I think he had, only had one CBA or none at all, and he still yeah. scored terrific, as is his, his game. But what Jack Steele's doing, like the yeah. pressure he's putting on and the role that he plays, and again, I know people call it tagging what he did against Cripps, it's not a but that is, his, that is the way he plays. Like yeah. His tagging is, when it goes to a stoppage, yeah. I'm going to stand next to you, yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm going to try to win the ball. Yeah. And if, 
And if you and if you win the ball, I'm going to tackle you. So honestly, MJ, this year, I actually have a lot of faith in in Jack Steele yeah, becoming yeah. that player. And I just feel like um, if Merritt is on the outside, like the evidence I've got so far suggests, mm. and I know String is out, so that is a caveat that if you know we look at the CBAs next week and all of a sudden Zach's in there with Shield and McGrath, um, but it just feels like to me that they want to give Parish spurts. They want to give Deb Smith. They actually really like. Langford's size in there. Yeah. And then obviously they've lost the burst of stringer, but um, playing that outside role this year, the way scoring's going, yeah. doesn't seem to be suiting those type of guys. So no. I'd actually be inclined to go with Steel. And knowing also that in uh, not just this week, they're coming up against Fremantle, but the week after that, they've got Adelaide, who are just gifting it's a good, hundreds. Good little run, MJ, isn't it's it? It's a nice little run. Uh, and again, you, you contrast that to Merritt, not just in terms of what he's been able to do and things like that. They come up against North this week. Not horrible in, in terms of a matchup for them through there. Uh, the week after that, it's the Western Bulldogs. So certainly if you were just looking at a two-week play out for you, Andrew, Steel's looking the goods. And you bring up that great point, and we'll probably wrap up the episode here. When it does come to AFL Fantasy and Dream Team with these shortened quarters, it's the guys that are you know, so dimensional in more than just one facet that are scoring well for us through the midfield. Even Trelaw came back in and showed it for us, even at that premium price. He looks like, yes, it's one game of data. Guys that impact the game with tackles, um, that stoppages, that get on the inside and the outside of the game, that find space, um, that can impact the score. But these players that aren't just a one-dimensional contested ball and that's it, or an outside player and that's it. Guys that have multiple strings to their bow, which you talked about Lockie Neal right at the top of this episode having. These are the guys in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team I want in my midfield. Yep, it's great to have the outside guy that can junk it up. The gaff's probably the exception to the rule. Um, but I'd want the guy that I know that can get five or six tackles a game, even in a bad score. That's going to pick up 20-odd possessions a game, even in a bad game through there. So, yeah, I think that's where I'd be looking at too. Yeah, I agree, MJ. It's just one of those factors that it's just a slightly different role for Zach. We just haven't yeah. seen... Um, how this is going to play out. And obviously, with Zach, he's missed a game and the Bombers have missed a game. So sample size-wise, it's only three scores. And when you've got a 75, a 108, and a 58... Yeah, it's a lot. Like, it's just... It's hard to actually, you know, comprehend what that, that mix is like. And um, we know, we've talked about when Jack Steele's freed up and Brett Ratton said freed up. And as I said, he's still very accountable. He's not yeah. going to just... He's not isolated on the player. Like, he still tries to win the ball and... And you could see it on what he did on Thursday night against Cripps. Like, Cripps barely touched the ball in the first quarter. And Jack Steele was everywhere. And I think having the skill players around him, he's a great size, Jack Steele. But he's actually starting to work out that he can take a mark around the grounds. He yeah. can spread. And, um, yeah, I just love it. You can always bank on the tackles with Jack Steele. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of Jack Steele. Uh, for what it's worth, mate, uh, Andrew, I'm bringing him in this week too. So, um, if he goes pear-shaped... Uh, we can be in it together. Um, that, that's how it can kind of work. Hey, Kane, appreciate your work on this episode, mate. No worries, MJ. Thank you. Uh, of course, if you want to go check out some of the articles that are up online, they are there for you at coachespanel.tv. The links for our Patreon army, well, that is there for you if you'd love to get involved and support the Coaches Panel. And then, of course, you can keep in touch with us over Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Good luck this week. I hope everything goes your way. But from us here at the Coaches Panel, we'll chat to you next week. Yeah.